0: We are in our new series, our summer series entitled "Rhythm," and how important rhythm is. I've invited a special guest to come up on the platform with me to help demonstrate rhythm. So I'm going to have the first time in uh, Village Bible Church history. I'm going to have my daughter come up, and she's going to assist me in showing rhythm. And uh, we uh, we've done this at our home. Um, I'm not exactly sure why, but we've done this in our house. And I I learned this when I was a youth pastor. You ever ever heard of the cup game? I never heard of the cup game. All right, so we're going to do this. Are you nervous? Yeah, she's a little nervous. It's all right, I'm more nervous. All right, ready? Okay. So it's sing in rhythm. Hard to do, but it's pretty cool when you are. Ah, it's all right. It's good. It's good. Give her a hand. Give her a hand. Give her a hand. Good job, honey. Now, notice though, what happens when we get off rhythm? Things get messed up, right? And, and it can. It happens. We all lose our track. We all lose our rhythm. It's very important that we need rhythm. Now, it's interesting as we're, we're jumping into this series, we're, we're talking, as you saw in the video, balance in life is impossible. Uh, and, and really, the biblical understanding is rhythm, finding our rhythm in life. And sometimes, I, I've noticed this in Scripture, when we live our Christian life, we actually compartmentalize things. We have salvation, and then there's everyday life. We have our, our faith on Sunday, and then there's how we live and conduct our jobs or work or interact with our families, as if these things are in addition to our faith. And we forget to understand that our faith is an umbrella that permeates all of life. And the Bible talks a great deal about rhythm and time. And God has made all of these things, and for us to find the rhythm, the And and the rhythm pulsates through everything we do. See, when Christ came, he came to bring us peace. Peace with God, peace with each other, and peace in ourselves. And in, in Jewish terms, they would use the term peace, which was shalom. And the understanding there was not just the absence of conflict. See, we have a tendency to think that peace is the absence of conflict. No, it's the understanding of wholeness. Peace. The understanding of flourishing. And God desires that we place all of life under the authority of his word and conduct and order our lives in such a way that we can have shalom. Because I see many different Christians say, I have salvation and I have peace with God. And then you just take a snippet or a picture of their life and you're like, you have no peace whatsoever. Why not? Because they're not in... God's rhythm for their life. Our passage today is about finding our rhythm. And it's about, the, the, actually this entire series is the kickoff to help us find our rhythm in a lot of things. Find our rhythm in our work. Finding our rhythm in our marriages. Finding our rhythm in our parenting. Finding our rhythm in our praying. Finding our rhythm in reading the word. Uh, finding the rhythm in our leisure. We're going to be talking about all of these things in the next several weeks, actually in the next couple months. And how we can find our rhythm and what God has for us in him as we seek to understand and study and apply his word to our lives. So before we get into our, our sermon time, let's, uh, let's pause and ask God's blessing on our time together, shall we? Father, we come into your presence asking you to speak to us. For, for so many of us, we feel fragmented We cannot continue at the frantic pace that we're living with all of these pressures that are seemingly biting at us, all the stresses of life. Some of us are experiencing financial stress. Others are experiencing relational stress or workplace stress. And Lord, we we feel like we're just running a mile a minute and we don't know how to slow down and we're loaded down with guilt. Lord, help us to see how to orchestrate and order our lives in such a way that we are in flow with you. And that we can live the life of joy that your word so often speaks about. We pray your blessing on our time now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, let's really jump into our text and break it down. And uh, before we actually get into that, I want us to, I want to show you this quote by Matthew Kelly. It talks about rhythm. And he says this, What holds music together? Rhythm what what holds our lives together rhythm is your word world a world without music is your life a song without rhythm in this day and age in a world obsessed with the speed noise greed lust and activity the rhythm of life is a radical countercultural act See the reason we're talking about rhythm is the one thing that we've realized in our 24/7 wired world is that we're running a mile literally a mile a minute. It's like we have we have media at all times. We know what's going on in the news all the time and it's like we can't we're continually Trying to do all of these things and take in all this information and live life and do this leisure stuff and do work and be at church and do this and that. And we feel guilty we don't have time for our kids or time for ourselves. And we're always trying to do this and that. And we're like the, the guy that used to spin the plates on the Johnny Carson show. Remember that guy? He'd always have these plates and he's spinning them and he's spinning them and he's spinning them and he has to go back and get this one. And that's how we feel. Many of us are just trying to keep it all together. And we're trying to find this mythical thing called Balance. And, and balance is, is a total myth. It's completely impossible to find balance. And that's the first point that I want us to realize, is realizing that the balanced life is not possible. There is no such thing as balance. Why? Well, I like how Keith Hammond in his book, Balance is Bunk, he says this, it's the central myth of the modern workplace. With a few compromises, you can have it all, but it's all wrong, and it's making us crazy. The truth is, balance is bunk. It is an unattainable pipe dream. The quest for balance between work and life, as we've come to think of it, it isn't just a losing proposition. It's a hurtful, destructive one. Now, what that means is, because it, 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 balance implies that life is completely stationary. It's like that guy that walked across the the Grand Canyon, did you guys see that? If you're, where was it? He walked across. Is it the Grand Canyon? And, and, and it's constantly this in life. But we understand that life is not static. As soon as you get one thing right, what happens? There's a shift. And you got to go back the other way. See, life is not stationary. It always has ebbs and flows and pulses and movements and seasons and stages. And there's ups and downs. There's a rhythm. Just like I, I lived in Massachusetts for a little while. I lived right um, on the, real close to the beach in Gloucester, Massachusetts. And one of the things that really struck me after moving to New England was how much the tide affects everything. I'd be standing on this beach, just gazing out at the ocean, and I'd come back in eight hours, and the beach was a, a, almost like a half mile long. The water had gone all the way out, and I'm walking out among the rocks. These tides come in, and the tides come out. You'll be in these marshy areas where there's no water, and come back in a few hours, and it's completely flooded. It's, it's just the, these tides, these rhythms, these ebbs and flows, these seasons that we have. And we need to make sure that we understand that, because Life is not stationary. It's always shifting. It's always shifting, constantly shifting. We need to make sure that we get off this treadmill. See, many of us are on this treadmill. We're moving along, and we think we're doing really well, but you know what? We're not going anywhere. We're just moving, and we we have a lot of that in our life. There's all this busyness, but we're not going any direction. So we need to make sure that we get off this treadmill and understand how to find our rhythm. I'm not going to find balance, but I can find a rhythm. And so this, this series, we're going to be breaking this down, and I'm just going to give us a, an overview today. And then in the next several weeks, we're going to be breaking it down in, in different movements to understand how to find our rhythm. Now, let me say at the onset, I don't have this perfectly down. This is something that we as a staff just were introduced to this past winter. I think many of us are still trying to wrap our minds around the concepts here because it's opened up the scripture in a new way for us to see that we hadn't seen before. That makes total sense. But applying it to life has been the challenge. And even my wife and I have been working through this concept of trying to find our rhythm. Finding our rhythm in our marriage, finding our rhythm in our giving, finding the rhythm in our expectations that we have and how much we can serve and not serve and how much we can spend time doing this and and exercise and all of these different things apply to the entirety of life because we place everything under the authority and umbrella of God's word so we might have shalom, peace. And what does that look like? And what does that mean for each of us? So we need to understand that there is the burden of balance. See, the burden of balance places on us guilt over not giving adequate attention to every priority of our lives. I think every one of us in this room has felt guilt. But the benefit of rhythm is peace in releasing expectations that do not fit this time in life and setting a healthy pace for activities. Balance is is always busyness and trying to care for every responsibility in every season and stage. But the benefit of rhythm is fulfillment and seizing the, the unique opportunities offered by each season in building life-enhancing rituals. Did you know that God created rhythm? God created rhythm. And it's in everything that we have and do. Rhythm is found in the first chapter of the entire scripture you realize that? It's not called rhythm, though. It's in Genesis 1, chapter 14, I mean, Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 through 19. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the great light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Now, where do you find rhythm in that? You find rhythm in understanding that God created time, that it would be experienced in different ways with its ebbs and flows, in seasons. And so we have days, we have weeks, we have months, we have quarters, we have, I mean, complete annual cycles of years. And these are the rhythms of our creation that we have lost touch with in our wired world. Farmers are intimately connected with this period. I mean, the understanding of the seasons. And, and we have this all around us. But for whatever reason, we have still tried to live life at breakneck speed. And in our suburban culture, we are so busy, but life is so messed up. I mean, there's so much dysfunction. I've worked in an urban environment, and I've worked in a suburban environment. I've even worked in a rural environment. And there's more money in a suburban environment but there are more problems and more messed up stuff that it's all hidden underneath this veneer of we've got it all together. But it, we don't. We don't. We need to find the rhythm that God wants us to be and make sure that our entirety of our life is placed under the authority of His Word and there we will find fullness of joy. We need to make sure that we find the rhythm that God intended it to be. See, balance is a pose. Rhythm is a dance. Balance is static. Rhythm is dynamic. Balance is rigid, but rhythm is flexible. Balance suggests you can have it all now. Rhythm suggests you can have it much but over time. Balance is control. Rhythm is embrace. Balance is a seesaw, but rhythm is a swing. Balance is a rock. Rhythm is the tide. Balance is maintaining the system. Rhythm is seizing opportunities. Balance is artificial and man-made. Rhythm is natural, organic, and created by God. Balance is a photograph. And rhythm is a video. The point that the Bible makes is that there are different, and wants us to understand that there are different seasons. Seasons. These are cycles that repeat. We have different seasons that we experience in spring, summer, summer. Um, fall and winter, but we also have seasons of life where we are doing different things. Just like right now. Okay? In um, in August, what starts in Bourbon A? In Bourbon A. So yeah, football. And it's preseason. Right? Pre season. And then we move into September and it's into the regular season. And then, Lord willing, if we pray enough there'll be the playoffs. Okay. Now we treat each one of those different, right? And then after the playoffs is what? Off season. Okay. We all have seasons of life and each one of us have certain cycles of these uh, of life. Now these seasons are usually repeatable. They're repeatable. Now those are the repeatable things. So we have these seasons that God has created for us And and the Bible talks a great deal about the seasons that we do experience. But then there are life stages. Life stages. And many of us are in this room are at different life stages. Now, these are non-repeatable things. So the seasons are repeatable things. These are the ebbs and flows to the year. But then the life stages are periods of time in which we find ourselves where our life is going to look slightly different. Your life is going to look different... If you're a teenager and you're getting ready to go into college, then it's going to look much different than the person who's just getting into retirement. And there are different expectations of those periods of time in our lives. Now, these seem like common sense, and much of the scripture is. But with our world, it rails against this and says, you can have it all right now. And we have, we have missed the understanding of seasons and stages in life. This is one of the reasons, and, and one of the reasons is, is because of the, the creation of technology. Technology is great, but one of the things it's done is change our understanding of seasons and cycles. Like, for example, people used to go to bed at sundown a lot of times. But then with the invention of the light, people could stay up later, Right? And and so that kind of changed slightly the seasons. But then even our understanding of life stages has shifted things with the invention of the computer. Because it used to, when a young person would be starting out in the world, they would apprentice for a period of time, learn from an expert, and then grow in maturity. With the invention of the computer and younger people knowing computers and older people not, these suddenly positions, they got exalted where they didn't have the experience necessary to understand how to work with people. And it's it's changed things, changed the order of things, and kind of upset the rhythm. Now, I'm not saying that we need to abolish technology and become Amish. But I am saying that we need to understand these things and recognize them and how they affect us. Because now we have this understanding, especially younger people entering the world, that they're going to have it all right away. Especially people that come out of college, they think, I'm going to make $75,000 right off the bat. I'm going to have my whole life together. I'm going to. I'm going to have in five years what it took my parents thirty years to get. So we've accepted this, and then the other thing that we've done is we've kept perpetual adolescence going on with younger people. I mean, when I hear people say that uh, forty is the new thirty, I want to throw up. I'm serious, because that's not how God has orchestrated us. There's a reason why the scripture says, have children when you're young. I mean, I have friends that are just starting off. And, I, and, I, and if, you're, if you're here today and you're saying, hey, I'm not married yet, you know, God bless you. And I hope that that happens to you. But I've seen other people perpetually stay in this stage of life. They just want to party, have fun, and they wake up and they're 40. And they're like, well, I think I should just start taking life seriously. What? That's not what the Scripture talks about. Scripture says that we have a brief period of time on this earth. And we need to recognize these life stages. Moses talks about this in Psalm 90, verses 10 and 12. He says, The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. So teach us to number our days that we might get a heart of wisdom. Wisdom. You know I was preparing for this message, and my brother Tim Bidal, sent me this link, and I, and, and it, you know what it was? It's the Internet death clock. It's the Internet death clock. You put in your age and your body mass index and whether or not you're a smoker, and it gives you the day of your death. You want to wake up real fast. I mean, I am dreading September 29th of, of 2049. <laughs> OK? It just puts you into perspective. Real quick, we realize that our, our, we are not guaranteed tomorrow. And we need to make sure that we, though, can slow down and find rhythm, though, in our lives and take advantage of the opportunities and the life cycles and stages that we are in for God's glory so that we might have shalom and that we might delight in Him. Because God is most glorified in us, as John Piper has said, when we are most satisfied in Him. And we can't regulate the spiritual just to church on Sunday, I've seen too many Christians to say, I've got salvation, but I don't need him in anywhere else in my life. And that's not how the Bible works. God wants the entirety of our life placed under his authority. And everything, and that's where fullness of joy is. Is in the knowledge and being obedient to God. So, first of all, if we're going to do this, if we're going to seize this day, that's what this sermon's about, carpe diem. It's the understanding of seize the day, because we don't just seize the day at one moment. We seize the day in the many different moments of our lives, these snippets that God gives to us. It's a daily battle. And, and it, to do that, it first involves having the proper priorities. The proper priorities. Many of us, our priorities are messed up. I can't believe on how many people that I speak to that priorities are so messed up. It it just, it just blows my mind. The scripture says, these are what our priorities are in the following order. First of all, it's the Lord. He he has first place, first priority above everything else. He is to have first priority of our lives. And that's seen in our time and our talents and our treasures. Now, I'm not saying you've got to be at church 24-7. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the the entirety of our life is ordered underneath Him where we see the reality of His presence in our lives. God must have first place. Number two is our loved ones. Our loved ones. And this involves our... If if married, and God has so blessed you, your spouse, and then your children. In that order. In that order. God has... Made it that way. Now, I came up with this. Someone told me about this when I was young. And and I'm going to ask and challenge you with this question. Do you have a personal mission statement for your life? A way that you can list your priorities? When I was in college, I came up with a mission statement. And I, I know, I can't remember the exact words, but I remember it was first loving the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving my wife as Christ loved the church and I'm to love myself. Loving the children that God gives me. In that order. And everything else is to be judged by that. And after that is our labor. Is our labor. That's a priority. Our work. But it, the problem that many of us have is that we leapfrog loved ones in the Lord with our labor. And when that happens, things get messed up. I was talking with a gentleman a few years ago who had told me, I mean, this guy worked insane hours. He was put in 80 hours a week. It was crazy. He was up at all hours of the night. He was taking phone calls from all different places of the world. And, uh, and I said, why do you kill yourself? He's like, because they were living in Naperville, close to this golf course. He said, because my wife wants to live in Naperville. And I got to do that. And I'm like, but your family life is a complete wreck. What is the good of having a house like that and then having your personal life so messed up? I mean, his, his children, his marriage, it was a complete sham because his priorities were messed up. He had leapfrogged his labor, and he thought, well, I'm doing it for my kids. What's the point of that if you're not there, and you have no relationship? Don't take your labor over your loved ones or the Lord. Last of all, it's our leisure. It's our leisure. Now, the problem, though, that many of us have is that we have taken leisure And moved it up a few notches in our priority list and put it over the Lord. I'm amazed at how many people do that. We have football and fishing over faith. We have golfing over God. We've got dance over the deity or hobbies and hunting over heaven and craft fairs over the Christ. That's not how it's supposed to be. All of those things must be regulated. Now, I'm not saying we can't have fun. But it cannot take the place of God in our lives. The scripture is very, very clear on that. We must make sure that we are abandoning such such misplaced priorities when they get out of order. Reorder them and make sure that we are adopting the biblical paradigm for time and understanding and living in time. Adopting the biblical paradigm for time. Now, the Bible uses two words. In our passage today, especially as we look within it, it's in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It starts off and says, For there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Now, the season, there's a Greek word that's used there called, uh, uh, actually, it is kairos, and every matter under heaven is the term chronos. Now, the Bible does use two different understandings for time. So time for every matter under heaven is chronos. Now first of all if we we have to adopt this biblical paradigm for time and chronos is known as quantity time quantity time so that's the understanding of chronos it is the time that is cyclical that is repeatable in our life these seasons that we find ourselves this is this Quantity, time, and we see that in the solar, seasonal, lunar, sabbatical, and rotational. In other years, we, see, in other words, we see the year, quarter, month, week, and days. And now, these are the ebbs and flows of life. There's a reason that God said that we are to rest one day. It's the understanding of placing God in the cycle of our lives. We need to understand the importance of this chronos, and how can we find? Peace in the midst of this chronos that God has for us. Where well, there are three ways, and I'm going to be bringing these back in many of the different messages that we're going to be going through in, uh, in this series. First of all, it involves pacing yourself. How do you find peace in the midst of chronos and the cycles of life? Pace yourself. You can't do everything now, don't try. Don't try. We can't do everything now. We have this this thing. Of, I've got to get it all done. I've got to do all this. I've got to do all that. That's that's the pressure from the world, and sometimes the pressure we've created on ourselves. That we don't have downtime. We don't have rest. We have to pace ourselves. Life is life is not a sprint but a marathon. A marathon. We must make sure that we are pacing ourselves. Secondly, we need to make sure that we are uh, pacing ourselves through our planning it means you have to plan ahead. The scripture says this in Proverbs 21:5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. This involves making sure that we plan and we we, we plan our service, we plan our giving, we plan our time with our family. We're, we're not necessarily some of us are are very good planners, other of us are planning deficient. But we are to be laying our lives out to the Lord and letting Him order and direct the entirety of our lives. We have to be diligent, plan, and pace ourselves. We also make sure that we are building rituals. Rituals in our life. Those are the routines. Now, you think this is not a big deal. And you might think, how does this go with Scripture? Again, this is the shalom. God has built these rituals into the nation of Israel's history. Did you know that? Where they had these times, where they came for celebration, you had the the feast of Sukkot or Tabernacles. You had these other, uh, you had Passover, you had Yom Kippur, you had all of these different times and rituals built in. Rituals are the ways that we find meaning. They're where we find meaning, and we have them all over the place. We don't even realize it. Some of the rituals that we have in our life. This what happens in May and early June. In the United States of America? What are the rituals that we all observe? Summer, beginning of summer, but it's kicked off before that. What's that? What happens in the teenagers' lives? School, school is done. Graduation, graduation parties. What starts happening in June and July? What are some of the, the rituals that we go to in June and July? Involves a lot of white. Weddings, right? It's the season for it, correct? we come into fall, and then we enter into the school ramps up again, and we're in the fall activities. We get into the holidays. We have rituals when we come together with our families. Uh, When you're at, at, at Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever the holiday may be, we have these rituals that we build in. We have rituals we observe as families with our greater extended family. We have rituals we observe personally in our families, routines, traditions, things we follow, and rituals we observe as a church. We just did one today. It's ritual by which we find meaning. That's why the scripture talks about there is a time to do all of these different things. And the reason that scripture talks about that is it understands that we have seasons and we have life stages in which we live, in which we order our lives. And there's a separate time for those, and we can't do it all and have it all at one time. So we must make sure that we are building rituals. I'm trying to do this with my family trying to build everyday rituals like with my kids we have this thing called the action bible which is the bible is a graphic novel and every day um for the most days um, between monday and friday we sit down and I, I eat breakfast with my kids which is a ritual in itself just having a meal with family which is becoming more and more rare i'm finding out and having a conversation with my family about faith i mean we pray over the meal that's a ritual I'm astonished at how many people don't do that. It's second nature to me. I mean, even at my wife, when we go to bed at night, we pray together before we go to bed. I mean, it's not always the best prayer, but we pray together. We're building rituals and meaning into our lives. Even the evenings, I've started to go more intense and disciple my kids, and we're going actually through the Westminster Catechism, question by question with my kids. I mean, they're not going to get all of it, but I'm trying to create and show them meaning in life. And, and, and like, for instance, on Memorial Day, when um, my family has a tradition of going and visiting all the different grave sites of our family, building rituals. These are ways that we find meaning. This is how God has orchestrated us to be. In these chronos, these seasons we find ourselves, we're to make sure that we are pacing ourselves, we're building rituals, and then that we are oscillating between work and rest. Work and rest. Now, what I see is we go in one of two extremes. Either we have no rest... And this again, this is an area God's working in my life, or, and we have all work, or we have more rest and no work. We can't balance it. There's no such thing. You've got to find our rhythm. Rhythm, oscillating between work and rest. That's why God gave us one day off. Make sure that we are resting. That's why, look at verse 3. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. God created a time to laugh. Laugh. That's why he made rhinoceros. Time to laugh. You ever looked at one of those things? Or animals. Or children. Children make you laugh. There's a time that we need to laugh and be together. A time to tear, in verse 7, and a time to sow. Understanding of time to work. Did you know that Jesus oscillated between work and rest? For instance, he grew up in his parents' home. He worked three years as a carpenter, as a single man. At 30 years of age, he started a three-year itinerant ministry with a growing circle of followers. Now, during his ministry, he worked long hours. Even when his disciples wanted to send the crowds away, he he told the disciples to feed them in Mark 6.37. Other days, he sent the crowds away so he could be alone on a mountain. Matthew 14. At least one night, he stayed up all night to pray, Luke 6. Other times, he rose before the sun to pray, Mark 1. Then, when his hour came, he lived the last week of his life fully. See, we need this rest. That's why athletes are really good at this, in that they, they don't work out every day the same muscle every time. Why? Because then the muscle doesn't grow. It breaks down, and then it needs rest to build up. That's why Athletes that are in constant training, they'll work one muscle group one day, another muscle group another day, another muscle group a day after that. They they need to oscillate between work and rest. And we need rest. And it's not just with athletes, it's with music too. I like what Matthew Kelly he writes about music. He says that he goes, rests and pauses are as important in great music as the notes themselves. Rests and pauses are as important in great lives is activity. So we need to ma- understand that we need rest. And we need to have time of leisure. Now, the first one we talked about was chrono's time. The other one I want to introduce to you is a thing called kairos. Kairos. This is the proper time. This is the appointed season. This is the moment where you seize the day. This is a point of time of period or period of time that is right or opportune. Now, in Greek mythology, Kairos was one of the youngest, uh, the, the youngest divine son of Zeus. He was personified as a young man who never aged, who was completely bald with a tuft of hair on the front of his head. And he had wings on his feet and he was constantly moving and he would never stop. And the idea was, is that if he went by you, you had to, you had to grab him before he went by by the tuft of his hair. and if, And if he went by... Not even Zeus himself could stop him. It's the understanding of grabbing and seizing the moment. That's Kairos time. So Kronos is experienced quantity time. Kairos, on the other hand, is, is grasp time. It is quality time. Kronos time says, I went on a date with my wife for three hours. Kairos time says it was a delightful three hours and it flew by. See what I'm saying? Chronos time says I have my children until the age of 18. Kairos' time says that I seize the moments that I have with them before they're gone. See, this is the Kairos' time is when we say that time dragged. Many of you might be saying that right now. It's the understanding the Bible lays before us of the whole of our lives under the umbrella of Scripture. Because when we order our lives and seize these moments the way that God wants us to, we will find Joy. And peace, this shalom that the Bible continually talks about. We need to make sure that we are seizing this time. As the scripture says, for everything there is a season, this kairos time. See, chronos time, or the cycle, is measured time. Kairos season is experience time. Chronos cycle is quantity time. Kairos is quality time. Chronos is... Clock or calendar. Kairos is not clock or calendar at all, but it's heart time. One is cyclical, the other is linear. See, we need to make sure that we're in this quality time, and then if we're going to enjoy that, we need to be releasing expectations. See, we can't expect to have it all all the time. The Bible doesn't allow us to do that, but take it moment by moment. That's why Ecclesiastes and the book of Proverbs are so important. Because they order and give meaning to our everyday lives. Do you know that the Proverbs talk about how to do business? It talks about co-signing a loan. It talks about all of these everyday things of life. And we, for some reason, are so ignorant and not willing to apply the Word of God to all of our life. We say that we believe it, but we really don't read it and apply it and orchestrate it that way. The Bible talks about how to order your finances and how to help grow and prosper the Bible talks about how to have uh, and how we are to treat our spouses and raise our children and how to do all of these different things. It tells young people on what to pursue and what not to pursue. The Bible talks about all these things. It talks to the older people and says, this is how you leave a legacy and realize and release the expectations that you can have and do it all. You can't have and do it all. Why? Because each life stage is different. My wife, we have, we have three children and one on the way. I, she can't expect to be at church all the time and lead a lot of different ministries. And we've gone back and forth with this, saying, honey, we have to release expectations of those ministries. We can't lead all of that. You can't do it all. Her time is different at her life stage, depending on if you're retired, you have a lot more time. It is the time that God can use you to leave a legacy, to give of your time. Your life stage is different. So we need to make sure that we are living in the life stage the way that God intended us to do. So we have to release expectations, and then we need to be seizing opportunities, seizing the opportunities that we have at this moment. I was talking with a, a, a friend of mine the other day. We were talking about this concept, and he was mentioning that he had got his wife a, a cruise for their fifteenth anniversary. Okay, it was great. It's like, we're going to go away. We're going to leave the kids behind. He presented it to his wife, and she's like, "Eh, I don't like that. He said, are you kidding me? We get all this time away, away from the kids. Why? She goes, because as soon as we get on board the plane, I'm going to be thinking about the kids. She goes, I have 30, 40 years with you. I only have a few years with them. I have to seize the time that I have, that I have right now. Seize the opportunity in front of me. What's the opportunity that you have at this life stage? See, many of us, we have this really strange inclination of what it means to be a Christ follower, and we forget to say that, and and I've seen so many different families and members saying, I can't do it that way, I can't give myself to full-time ministry, or I'm not interacting with people uh, out in the workplace because I'm at home, or I'm at the workplace and I can't do this and I can't do that. Seize the opportunity you do have. Not what you don't have, what you do have. What has God given you at this opportunity and stage of your life? What is it? Take advantage of it. Seize it. Grab hold of it the way that God wants you to. And stop trying to do it all. And try to put everything in balance and keep all the plates spinning. Find one or two of them and do it with all your heart. Seize the opportunities that are in front of you. That's why, and that's why I love the book of Esther book of Esther is so great, where where Esther gets placed as the the queen of Persia, and the wicked Haman has a plot against her people, the Jews, not knowing she's a Jew, and he issues, he gets the king's permission to issue this genocidal edict to kill all of the Jews in the kingdom, And her her relative Mordecai finds this out and he goes to the the palace and he can't go in, but he's outside and he's he's in mourning. He's ripped his clothes. He's got sackcloth on. He's crying and throwing dust in the air. And she sends her servants to find out what's wrong. And then he he tells her and she comes and he says, don't think that you're going to escape this just because you're the queen. Is it not because God has put you in place for such a time as this? See, God has you in a place that you are at right now, sovereignly, and he wants to use you in your place for such a time as this. Whatever it might be, if you're a mom with your kids home all day, it is the time to instruct them and teach them in the ways of the Lord. If you're retired, you should be spending and trying to leave a legacy and impress it upon your children or grandchildren. If you don't have that, then look for other means of serving. If you're in the workplace, this is the time to, to be sharing with your co-workers, whatever it might be, embrace the life stage you're in and quit trying to deny it. We have so many people that are so con- consumed with being young. Hollywood is the worst. I hate Hollywood. I hate it so bad. Because you see, one of the things I do like about Hollywood, though, it's fun, is when you find those websites where you see the people of age and they try to, not, try to deny their age, and their face comes looking like a Barbie doll. You ever seen that? Joan Rivers, Wow. I mean, that thing could deflect bullets. And she's got, I mean, we got lifts and tucks and, and colorings, and we d- deny the stages that we're in in this perpetual desire to stay young and hold on to something that is passing by, not realizing and embracing the stage that we have before us. And we can't recapture those old moments. Those are Kairos moments that are gone. They're gone. And quit trying to live in that moment. Many of us are trying to recapture that. I was watching a special on Ken Burns last night, did on baseball. Not a huge baseball guy, but I find this documentary fascinating. They're talking about Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, like so many athletes, has a hard time letting go. Letting go. And and holding on to their skills. And many of us are trying, and he tried to recapture those glory days, and he couldn't do it. Why? Because they're gone. They're past. Embrace the stage that you're in. There's nothing nothing worse than someone who has that stage pass them by and they can't let it go. Can't let it go. That's why we have Brett Favre coming out of retirement like three times. Michael Jordan retiring twice. You know, these people that just say, I still got it. No, you don't. Embrace the stage that you're in. The way that God desires us to, and we can glorify him by being satisfied in what he has for us in that time and and for those that have children at home it means taking advantage of those moments i went to a conference a few years ago where a man had marbles he was talking about how he had marbles and it had every marble symbolized the weekends that he had left with his kids and every mo- every week he took it out and it was a reminder reminder a visual reminder that he didn't have a lot of time left this is how much time he had because if we don't take advantage of those moments, you know what we're doing? We're, I mean, for those of us who keep making excuses, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I call that the cats in the cradle principle. Remember that song, Harry Chapin, right? Cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you're coming home, son, I don't know when. We'll get together then. Take advantage of it. Now, you might say it passed me by, but you can still live, leave a legacy. Take the time now to invest in your families and your children. Seize the opportunities that you have, that God has for you. Don't worry about what you don't have. Focus on what you do. If you're single and you're not married yet, this is the time for you to devote yourself entirely to God and use that time for his glory and your joy. Make sure that we are seizing the opportunities before us and then anticipating what's next anticipating what's next. We need to be anticipating what is next in the life stage. How can we prepare for that? I'm amazed at how many people, okay, don't prepare for retirement. I was one of those people. I'm I'm trying to now. It's like retirement just kind of comes out of nowhere. We don't prepare ourselves financially. Again, we're always trying to gather everything right now, and we rack up huge amount of debt. And we have so much, I've been reading a lot about generosity, and I can't believe how much money is tied to the heart. It reveals a lot about our walk with God. We forget that even how our money is a spiritual issue. Our time is a spiritual issue. These are all spiritual issues. Our marriages are spiritual things. Our children are spiritual things. Being a grandparent, being an uncle, these are all spiritual things. Being a good employee, employer, making, doing good business, these are all spiritual issues of which we need to find our rhythm. And we need to prepare for the next life stage or cycle that God has for us. We're trying to do that at church, by the way. We've created different ministry directors who minister for, that supervise different ministries that are, in, that, are, that are in the position for two years, and then they have a time of rest built in. A coordinator does a year. We want to give people the opportunity to, to be in, a, recognizing that certain life stages don't allow for that very well. And then circle, cycles of life, we want to build in rest. The Scripture builds in rest for us because God knows us better than we know ourselves. So we need to make sure that we are anticipating what's next. Now, you might say, okay, how do I take practical steps toward rhythm? Well, here's, here's how we do that. These are some ways that we can take practical steps toward rhythm and finding the shalom that the Word of God talks about so frequently. Finding peace, not just with God, not just with one another, but with ourselves. These are some of the proper or steps that we can take, and we're going to be elaborating on these in the, next several, in the next few months. First of all, repent of wasted opportunities. Make sure that you're repenting of wasted opportunities. That time is gone. Opportunities that you have in your past, maybe you, you live with all this regret with how you raised your children, and they're adults now, and you recognize it, and you, you, you just are, are prisoned with guilt, you have to repent of wasted opportunities. And then make sure that you're releasing your guilt to God. Releasing your guilt to God. God does not desire that you walk around, especially as a Christian, guilty, feeling guilty all the time. Many of us are perpetually guilty, and we feel strange when we're not. God, doesn't de- God des- desires that we delight in Him when... We order our life according to the Word of God. Now, you could be walking with justified guilt, which means that you're still living outside of the will of God in the way He intends you to do. If that's the case, that guilt is good, because that will bring you to repentance. But other than that, if we know that we've, we, we recognize that we failed, we need to release that guilt to God and embrace the life stage we are in now and take, in, take advantage of the moment we have now. Thirdly, we need to re- be remembering that the days are evil that in which we live. These days are evil. This world is at war against us and presents a worldview that is contrary to the Bible's view of the world. And we need to make sure that we are continually washing our minds with the Word of God and applying the Word of God to our lives. This means reading the Word of God, making God the priority in our time. Not only reading the Word of God, but letting the Word of God read us. As the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, Verse 15 through 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. The word there for time is Cairo. Seize the time that you have. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be a fool. The book of Proverbs is about the fool and the wise. Continually going back and forth with them. Tells you what the fool and how the fool lives The Bible tells us how the wise live. and The wise will be proven true every single time. Next, fourthly, we must make sure that we are redeeming our time for Christ. Seizing the day and the opportunities that we have, that God has for us. Making sure that we are seizing the time. That's what it means in Ephesians 5.16. Making the best use of the time. Using that time for God's glory that we do have at this life stage in whatever way that God desires us to use it. And then lastly, we need to be making sure that we are recognizing God's plan for our time. And there's two, two verses that I want to draw out for that. The first one is 1 Chronicles 12, 32. I love this passage. I was an entire conference that was built around this passage. And it says this, of Issachar, these are the men of Issachar, it's a tribe in Israel, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. See, we need to understand the times That God has for us and what he has and how he desires us to live in this time. And then to make sure that we are submitting to God's purpose for us, because he has a purpose for us. It was by no mistake that you were born at this time. You were born at this hour to live in this moment. And God has a purpose for you. And our hope in prayers that we fulfill the purpose that God has for us in our generation. David talks about this in Psalm 57, verse 2. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. And in the book of Acts we read, and that's not up there, but in the book of Acts we read that he fell asleep, he died, having fulfilled the purpose of God that God had for him in his generation. What is God's purpose for you? God's not asking everybody to be a great evangelist or or amazing businessman, God is asking us to be faithful, to order our life according to His Word through the different seasons and life stages by understanding how to order the Kronos by taking hold of the Kairos for His glory and our joy. Then we can be in rhythm. Because right now, many of us are off rhythm. And there's nothing more awkward than watching a group of dancers when one is off rhythm. Have you ever seen a group of dancers where one is off rhythm every eye is looked at him going what is wrong with you <laughs> it's like watching river dance remember river dance remember that guy he's doing the, the, the lakes and they're all doing the thing together and you don't see you know one of them just start walking around doing disco it doesn't work out of rhythm see we need to get in rhythm with what god has in his word placing ourselves. And when we have that rhythm, it catches fire. Just like hearing the thing with my daughter and I earlier. And it starts capturing it. We all get caught up in the rhythm. Let's get caught up in God's rhythm together. Submitting to his word, to his lordship by making his word to be the umbrella under which we order our lives for his glory and our joy. Let's pray. Father, you are the God who has created us, who has orchestrated and order our, ordered our lives to bring you joy. Lord, you've, you've made us with the daily rhythms of our nature, where we need sleep to eat, rest, and organ, to exercise. Lord, we, we go through the different seasons of life. Lord, help us to live our life stage and order it according to the season that you have for us in such a way that you might receive glory and honor. Let's make you the priority of our life. And then, Lord, show the reality of that priority and how we, we give, serve, and most of all, how we live. Lord, we know that you gave your son to die on the cross to bring us and a right relationship with you. But yet, Lord, we know that salvation is multifaceted and that we are justified in your sight, but we are progressively being made holy and growing in the peace that you have for us. Lord, help us truly to live our lives and orchestrate our lives in such a way that you are the resounding heartbeat and the one who gives the rhythm. Lord, help us to, to join the rhythm of your word to embrace it, to seize that opportunity, to seize the day for what you have for us. Lord, please use us to bring your name great glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.